All right. Mm. Today was a nice day. It was the first day of, uh, it's probably, who thought it was one of the prettiest days we've had all year? Yeah, West Virginia weather. Cloudy, overcast, cold. Man, this is why we moved up here. Who wants heat? Who wants sun? Who wants leaves that don't, you know, fall and change colors? I just got back from Texas. We made, most of y'all know, we are, some of y'all know, a lot of us uh, made a trip to Texas five days ago and we drove through the night and then we stayed for three days and we drove through the night back and we're here again. So if anybody is wondering if it's easy to drive through the night, it is when you have seven people. If not, then, well, it's not easy, but it's not terrible. Hmm. I, uh, you have to forgive me tonight. I'm, uh, because of this trip, I am not out of it, but I'm close. <laughs> so have mercy on me. But uh, speaking of butts, we are going to talk about butts tonight. I'm very excited. There are a, there's a lot of different kinds of butts. You know, there's big butts. There's small butts, there's important butts, there's, what'd you say? <laughs> oh yeah, you can say it. Okay. There's important butts, there's uh, not so important butts, there's interesting butts, there's bad butts, there's good butts, and tonight we're gonna focus on some good butts, and well, actually we're gonna focus on some bad butts. But in thinking about butts, there is, I think, I think Jesus enjoyed butts. I, in fact, I don't think he did. I know he did. He really liked his butts. And just to give you all a few examples of his love for butts, I'm just going to read a few examples where he's excited about butts. He said, you have heard it said, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I tell you that whoever looks on a woman with, and has with lust in his heart, has already committed adultery. I'm sorry, has already committed adultery in his heart. And then he also says, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to, turn to them the other cheek also. Give to the one who asks, and do not turn away from the one. Sorry. Give to the one who asks, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. He also said, you have heard it said, love your neighbor. But, I'm sorry, he said, you you've heard, if I can get this out, you have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And persecute you. And one more but, Peter asked Jesus, Lord, how many times should we forgive people? Seven, to, up to seven times? And Jesus says, no, you should not forgive people seven times, but I tell you that you should forgive people 77 times seven, which basically means you never stop. He liked his butts. I counted, there are over 30 butts in the Gospels where he is saying something that people think is the case, and he emphasizes how much different it is with him, how much he has raised the standard. He liked his butts. And so, in talking about butts tonight, 
I want to focus on three guys, or we're going to talk about three guys, who brought some butts before Jesus, but they were bad butts. And we're going to look at those butts. And some of you are like, are we going to talk about butts all night? Yes, but it won't be as weird as I'm saying it now. <laughs> Katie did a great job introducing this little thing we're doing where we're talking about Jesus. We're talking about people who encountered Jesus. And she talked about Judas last week, and it was, it was so good. I've still been thinking about some of the stuff she said, where she talked about Judas's ideas of Jesus and how he had to basically let go of those ideas to take on a greater idea, which was who Jesus really was, and how those ideas were ultimately his downfall. I've been thinking about that so much in regards to my own ideas about Jesus and how my own ideas about Jesus sometimes hold me back from really seeing who he really is and what he's really about, not trying to make him into the man that I think he ought to be and serve me in the way that I, I want to be served, if that makes sense. So it was really good, and tonight I get the privilege of talking about three guys who are known as the three would-be followers in Luke chapter 9. They're also mentioned in Matthew chapter 8, but we're going to look at the one in Luke chapter 9 because there's one who's omitted in Matthew chapter 8, and so that's why we're looking at Luke chapter 9. And so, uh, so I'll, I'll go ahead and pray. Lord God, thank you for just the privilege of talking about you. Thank you for all that you've just revealed to us and, and helped us to see about who you are, Lord God. Open up our hearts and our minds to you tonight. You know, make this word real and, and make it, Lord God, I just pray that you'd really open up hearts, Lord. These, this isn't necessarily a heavy word, Lord God, but it, 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 it's a little uncomfortable, Lord. And I pray, Father God, that you would help us to not worry about all the things that we typically worry about when we hear things like this, but help us to really hear what you're saying to us and what you're calling us to and to the opportunity available to us. Help us to see how worth it you are and how worth it it is to follow you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as I... Sorry. There was, a, there was a conversation before this where Demonio was going to come up and during the prayer. Um, what I'm going to read is a passage from Luke chapter 9. Um, it's about the cost of following Jesus because as most of us know in this room that it costs to follow Jesus. So as we were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But he said, I mean, but he replied, Lord, let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own, but you go proclaim the name of Luke. Proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus said, <coughs> replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Thank you. Thank you, Damani. Damani was in my small group last year with Jeff and, well, not last year, 
two years ago with Will. It was, uh, a lot of people don't know this, but Will and Marissa, they were the bridge between the previous Chi Alpha and us. And because of what they did, because they kept it going, they had basically like a small group. And, and, and Jeff, Jeff is here because of that. And it's so cool because what they did, they made it so that we're able to be a campus organization on campus, which is not the easiest thing to start a campus organization and so they, we love Will and Marissa. And it was, it was a sad day when they left us, but they left to be, to serve at another church, one that they're already a part of, and they're doing a great job of that. So it is definitely exciting to have them here. Demonte Red Forest, and we have three guys here, three guys who I like to call them the three would-be followers. And they're all like us in the room. For whatever reason, we're here. We're here because there is something about Jesus that jumped out to us. There's something about who he is that drew us in. Katie said it last week. Just like Judas, there was something that captivated him about Jesus. And we're here because of that. And some of you are like, well, I don't know if I'm necessarily captivated by Jesus, or I don't know if I'm necessarily curious about Jesus, that's not the reason I'm here, but you're here because somebody else was captivated by Jesus, and because that person, in a sense, looks like Jesus, and a lot of the qualities about that person that you like about them, it's because of their, them following Jesus, that you are here, and that you want to be around them, and so there's something about Jesus that has drawn these guys in, and us in, and all of them, different outlooks, different ideas about the world, they're all coming to Jesus, and they're saying different things to him. And he has some interesting responses to each one of them, and that's what we're going to look, look at tonight. And ultimately what they all say is this, Jesus, we think you are so worth it that we want to follow you. We want to be around you. That word follow, pretty simple word, it means to travel behind someone. It's to go where someone else is going and to do it the way that they're doing it. In high school, I had the privilege, the privilege of playing with, uh, I played basketball and one of my teammates was really, really good. He was very good. He was so good that he went to the NBA out of high school. And when, and he didn't, he didn't just like declare, because anybody could declare to the draft. Did you know that? Anybody can declare for any draft, but he actually got drafted in the first round. And so everybody's like, okay, this guy's obviously very good. And I was like, man, I want to be as good as you are. And he's a little bit older than me. And so I decided, hey, I'm going to follow you. And so I'd, I'd go and I'd, you know, stay over at his place. And when he got up early to work out, I got up early to work out with him. You know, I did the drills that he did in the gym. It was great. It was really fun being with him. And I really did, in a sense, follow him. I didn't just practice with him. I, like, traveled behind him. I went where he went. I enjoyed luxuries that he enjoys. It's really funny, because his sister is probably, probably the most ghetto girl that I've ever met in my life. <laughs> and one thing about following him was that, you know, I'm around him, and he's around his sister, and therefore, we are constantly in hood drama because that's just how she rolls <laughs> and but that's what that's what it was that's what happens when you follow someone when you follow someone you go where they go 
you know, the good and the bad. That's where you're going. And so these guys, they want to follow Jesus. And because of this, Jesus has some interesting responses to each one of them. He says to the first guy, or the first guy comes to Jesus, and the other two guys, Jesus is talking to them. But this guy, <laughs> this guy kind of invites himself to the party. He's like, hey, Jesus, dude, you're awesome. I want to follow you. And Jesus says to him, you know what? Foxes have, foxes have dens or foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And Matthew tells us that this guy who was talking to Jesus, he was a scribe. Does anybody know what a scribe is? A few of y'all? A few of y'all. A scribe was someone who basically looked at the law, studied it, the law in the Old Testament, studied it, and then applied it to people's lives and helped people to understand it. You, you know, you typically hear about teachers and scribes in the Bible. So this guy is a scribe. And scribes in this culture are a really, really big deal. It's not like, it's not like, oh, this guy works in a church, you know, so he's like respected. It's like, no, this guy is, you know, the way that we look at senators or congressmen, we look at them like of people of like, oh man, they're they're like really important. That's how people looked at scribes. This guy was really respected, and usually when you're respected in a society, you're not, you're not broke. <laughs> So he's enjoying some comforts, some luxuries from, from this lifestyle. And he comes to Jesus, and he's not like, because other scribes, you know, when they came around Jesus, they were pretty antagonistic. They were pretty frustrated with Jesus. But this guy, he says, Jesus, I see something in you that's, that's worth it, and I want to be around you. And Jesus says to him, dude, do you really want to follow me? Do you really want to follow me? Because this is what it's like to be with me. I don't even know where I'm staying tonight. And you want to be with me. The other two guys talk about their butts. But this guy doesn't. But Jesus calls out his butt without him saying it. What do I mean? Jesus looks at him. And this guy said, Lord, I'll go. No excuses. I'm in. And then Jesus is like, hold on. You want to come and follow me. But I see something holding holding you back in your heart. I see that you're pretty addicted to comfort. You're pretty addicted to, to a comfortable lifestyle and the privileges of that. And I'm, and I'm telling you, hey, you, you can come with me, but it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be comfortable. Do you really want to come with me? Because this isn't prestigious. You don't come to follow me and to be respected. You don't follow me to be a big deal. You're a big deal now, but when you come and follow me, you're not stepping up, and the world's eyes are stepping down. Are you ready for that? Do you want to be a part of that? I remember the first time that I uh, practiced with that guy who, who went to the NBA, um, the friend I was telling, telling you about earlier. I remember the first time we were working out, and we're doing, and I mean, this guy was serious. Like, we would get in, I mean, <laughs> he has to be serious if he's that good, but he was like, he would have cones set up in the gym. I mean, you got stations. It's, I mean, we'd be there for hours, and it'd be no, like, there'd be no coaches there. It's just us. And he's like, we're doing, you know, we're weaving through dribbling drills, you know, this, that, and you're exhausted. And I remember the first time that I went to go work out with him, work out with him and I'm like, man, this is pretty cool. And he, like, he got mad at me. And he's, he yelled at me. He was like, Jordan, come here. And I was like, yeah, what's up? And he's like, hey, 
it's cool that you want to, you know, you want to work out with me, and it's cool that you, you know, that we're hanging out like this, but, man, if you're going to work out with me, you got to work out the way that I work out. You can't, you can't go at your own pace. You got to go at this pace. You got to go this hard. You have to be as uncomfortable as I am because that's what it takes to get to the level that you and I both want to be at. And so I was like, dang. And that's what Jesus is saying to this guy. He's saying, hey, look, hey, in order for me to do what I'm doing, I have to be this uncomfortable. Are you ready for that? Are you ready, are you ready to take a cross? Because that's, that's what I'm doing. I'm headed to the cross. So Jesus makes it clear that he's detached from everything in the world that will hold back progress from what he's trying to get, get to, what he's trying to achieve. And we have the second guy. Second guy is like, the second guy, Jesus says to him, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go bury my father. And Jesus said, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Dang. I bet many of y'all have heard that one. That one's pretty popular. And I've heard a lot of people ask questions about that. What does Jesus mean by let the dead bury their own dead? Seems pretty cold. Seems pretty hard. It's not as cold and hard as it as it seems, but it is pretty cold and pretty hard. <laughs> the guy is coming to Jesus and he's like, Hey, I I gotta take care of something. Why do I say that he comes to Jesus and says that? Because Matthew points out that he was already a disciple. He was already a follower. It said a disciple came to Jesus, one of the twelve. So this guy has already been with Jesus. He's already been traveling with him. And then he comes to Jesus and he's like, hey. Or Jesus comes to him and he's like, hey, follow me. And this guy's like, hey, let me first go bury my father. This guy's butt is he's like, hey, I got to take care of this. And some of you are like, well, what does it mean to, to bury your father? Well, it, it doesn't mean, you know, that, you know, he can't go to his dad's funeral. You know, and, and it doesn't mean that, you know, this is like a prophecy about zombies or something, you know, that like, you know, the dead are going to come back and start doing stuff and, you know, digging graves and stuff or whatever. But what he does mean by that is that, hey, leave the things that are important to the culture today, leave that to the culture. You make me the number one priority in your life. If that doesn't make any sense, Sir George Adam Smith tells a story. He lived out in uh, in India for a good a good time a good amount of time. George Ad Sir George Adam Smith. None of you have probably heard of him, but he was pretty important because he has a sir in front of his name, and you don't get that unless you he did something good. So he's a, he's a big deal. He lived in India, and he s tells a story where one time he was trying to go into a pretty remote area in India. Like he had lived in, he, he was born in India, but he was English. You know, it's th that whole thing, history, is like a hundred years ago. Uh, you read a history book, it'll, it'll make sense. But he was born in, in India, and he was English. But he wants to go into this remote area in deeper India, basically, and he goes to a young sheik, and he's like, hey, I heard you've been in this area before. A lot of people haven't been there. I want to go there. Can you be my guide? 
And then the guy's like, hey, I can't do it. And George Adam Smith, he, adds, he, he asks him several times, and eventually he makes one more plea in front of the man's tent. And he's saying, please, please come with me. I need a guide. And the man uses these very words, and he says, sir, suffer me first to go and bury my father. His dad was sitting right there. It wasn't dead. His dad was sitting right there listening to the conversation. He was an older man, but he was full of health. He wasn't, didn't look like he was dying anytime soon. So what did this man mean by that? What he meant was the custom in Eastern societies was when you say, let me first bury my father, what you're saying is let me fulfill all the expectations that my family wants. Let me be tied to my father and serve him until he dies. So this is like an un, this is, this is, this isn't like, hey, let me, let me go and do this for two weeks. It's like, hey, this may be several years. This may be a decade. I'm going to be tied to my family and their expectations of me before I can be obedient to you. And Jesus says to him, let the dead bury their own dead. Let this world that is not worried about me being First, me having priority, let this world worry about keeping up with the standards of this world. You go and follow me. You make me the ultimate priority in your life. So much so that your family's expectations of you, this world's expectations of you, expectations that you may have for college, expectations for whatever, by whomever, you don't let that take precedence over me. I'm number one, and then everything else is number two. Let the dead bury their own dead. I remember when my family, I remember when I first started following Jesus, my family was really excited. I mean, they were ecstatic. I like to get in trouble, to say it lightly. Uh, I was talking to someone the other day, and I mentioned, I just like passively said how I had like gotten kicked out of a few schools. I got kicked out of like three schools growing up. I just like did not know how to not be in trouble. I just, I lived my life in a state of trouble. I'm like, to this day, I'm like the only kid I ever knew that got an ISS in elementary school. I don't, I don't know how you achieve that, but it was like, I just, I just stayed in trouble at all times in some way. And so but when, I, when I gave my life to the Lord, my family was like, sweet. Jordan's not going to kill himself. This is great. This is, there's hope. And, and then it, I got more and more serious about following Jesus. And then they started hating that I was a follower of Jesus. And it was, they were like, man, Jordan, we, we wanted you to be a Christian. But, you know, you, you, know, you come to family functions now. You don't want to drink. What's up with that? You know, and, and you know, you, you, you don't care about this anymore. You, you want to get married. Funny story about getting married. I got married in college. My family was offended by, my, by me getting married when I did. I had a cousin come up to me. No joke. I had a cousin come up to me during the wedding. I'm sorry. Rewind. During the reception, minutes into the reception. I'm, I mean, I had just, you know, you know when they introduced the bride and the groom, like, hey, now we're introducing Katie and Jordan Goody. You know, we come in, and there's the music in the back, and it sounds like a game show. <laughs> 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 
But we, we like we walk in and you know everybody's cheering and stuff, and the cheering dies down. And I got a cousin who comes up, walks in front of me. He's like, "Hey, man, how you doing?" I'm like. I'm doing great. <laughs> I just got married. He's like, man, what are you doing? It's like, I'm in a tuxedo. <laughs> what is not clear about what I'm doing? <laughs> and then he's like, man, dude, you're a young guy. You can go out and have some fun. What are you doing? What are you doing doing this now? And first of all, I'm like, dude. Are you not, you're pretty late for, for, for this plea that you're trying to make. I just got married. But he's like, he's like man, you could, you could go out and just like have fun and then be your own, like, you don't have to do this now. And I was just like, dude, this, this is ridiculous. But my family was legitimately offended. And I remember when I went on my first mission trip and my second and my third, they didn't like it either. They didn't like it. And it wasn't based on right or wrong. It was based on societal expectations for how you think, how they think you should live your life. And that's what Jesus is saying here. He's like, hey, let me have precedence over expectations that other people have. It's really cool because my family loves what I do now and they love who I am now. But there was a clash. There was a clear clash between what they expected, what this world expects, and me following Jesus. And so the last thing we have here, the last guy, I mean, the third guy. I love this guy. Still another said to him, I will follow you, Lord. But first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts their hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. That's, that's no joke. It probably sounds very similar or almost the exact same as what, what he just said to the previous guy. But it's pretty different. Anyone who puts their hand on the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Sir, Let me first go say goodbye to my family. That is a very different statement than what was just said. And it's a, it's a lower statement. It's, a, it's, it's, not, it's not one. The last guy, it was like, this is respectable. You want to you serve your family well. But this, this one is interesting, too, because it applies to everyone here. Like, it really applies to everyone here. I know it applies to everyone here, and I know it especially applies to a college campus. I think it's probably the main reason why this room isn't packed. I think it's the main reason why all of the campus ministries aren't packed out because of this excuse. Some of you are like, what, what, are, you, what are you talking about? When, when, has anyone ever uttered this statement? <laughs> there we go. So, of course, you all are like, what are you talking about, Jordan? How does this apply to us? What he means when he says, first, let me say goodbye to my family, that statement in Eastern societies means, first, let me enjoy all that my family has. Let me revel in the experience of my family. It is not, it is also, just like the previous one, it doesn't, it doesn't have an ending. 
it doesn't have a time where it's over. It's not a couple weeks. It's not an evening where you, where you have like a celebration. You're like, hey, you know, goodbye. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'll see you later. I'll send you a postcard. No. He's saying, let me live to the fullest this life with this. And then when I'm tired of that, then I'll follow you. Some of you are like, I still don't get why that applies. I can't tell you how many times that I have thought it or I've heard people say it to me. Man, Jordan, I'm, I'm interested in Jesus. He's awesome. He's great. But so-and-so, man, she's great too. Or he's great too. And they're so great that, you know, I don't really want to let them go to follow Jesus. Yeah, yeah, we may sleep together. Or, or yeah, they may not be that interested in Jesus, but just let me enjoy them now. Let me postpone this. This guy, he's not saying no to Jesus. He's saying, I will follow you eventually. Just, just give me a second. Let me enjoy this. Or how many times we're like, ah, Jesus, I do. The live dead, the live dead challenge. Everyone here who's doing it has felt this. I know you felt it. Where you wake up in the morning and you're like, ah, I should do that. I said I was going to do that. But I got these emails that I need to respond to. Or I got this test that I got to study for. You know what? I will come, Jesus. I, I will be obedient. But give me a second. Let me do this right quick. Let me finish this, and then, then I'll be faithful. Or how many times do we see just anyone say, man, just let me, let me enjoy the college experience, and then I'll be, like, I'm a Christian. I'm still a Christian. I'm just trying to enjoy the college experience, and then, and then I'll follow Jesus. You know, I'll follow Jesus when, when I don't like doing that stuff anymore, when I don't like drugs anymore, or when I don't like alcohol anymore. Or when I don't like whatever anymore. And this applies to everything. It's, you know, it's not like, it, I'm, not, I'm not focusing in on parting. That's just, that's just an obvious example. This applies to everything. This, this applies, like I said, just to just giving Jesus your time. It's saying, hey, let me enjoy this first, and then I'll make time for you. That's what this guy is saying. Let me first do this, and then I'll come. Then I'll be faithful. And you, 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 we have to see, like, the lunacy in this. We have to see it. I, you know, I asked Allie if I could say this, and so well, I kind of asked her. She, uh, she, where, where are you, Allie? There you go. Allie, Allie just raised her hand. Allie is getting married next month. Yeah. Woo. Oh, it's November. <laughs> I don't know why I thought it was October. I didn't forget when the wedding was. I just legitimately thought it was October. <laughs> it's been a, been a busy week. <laughs> Allie is getting married <laughs> this weekend. Or is it next weekend? That's what I thought. Yeah, next weekend. I'm like, no, Thanksgiving? There we go. But she's getting married. What if, Allie, what if Jerry proposes to you and you say yes, and then he says, okay, sweet, now, before we set the date on this wedding, let me first really live up being single. These, like, 
next few months and all that that means. Let me first enjoy that, and then, then I'm all in. Obviously, you wouldn't be happy about that. <laughs> but another thing is that you would think, did I ever really have his heart? If that's the way that he's thinking about me, was he ever really that interested in me? And Jesus points to that because he says, anyone who puts his hand on the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom. He doesn't say is not fit to serve in the kingdom. He says is not fit at all. Like, it's not even like, oh, you're not good enough to be, you know, like called one of my disciples. It's like, no, you're not even a believer. If that's the way that you view me, if you are putting me to the side so that you can enjoy this totally, so that you can pick me up when you're finished with it, which the, the way the cycle works, you never really pick them up after, afterwards because you find something else along the way. And then that becomes the, oh, let me finish this. That's why it could apply to anything. It could be your career. It could be trying to live up the college experience. It could be this relationship. It could be just wanting to be seen as a good student and making great, ga great good grades and respected by your teachers and needing that to validate you. It applies to everything. If you aren't willing to sacrifice everything for the cause of God, you aren't really willing to sacrifice anything for him. I'm sure I'm torn whether I want to read this quote. It's a long quote. It's probably the longest quote that I've ever read since I've been here. Go ahead and, uh, all right. All right, let's go. Let's go. No man, Albert Barnes, no man having put his hand to the plow is a proverbial expression to signify undertaking any business in order that the plowman may accomplish his work. It is necessary to look onward, to be intent on his employment, not to be looking back with regret that he, not to be looking back, looking back with regret that he undertook it. Stay with me here. So in religion, he that enters on it must do it with his whole heart. He must, he that comes still loving the world, still looking with regret on its pleasures, on its wealth and its honors that has not wholly forsaken them and his portion cannot be a Christian and it is and is not fit for the kingdom of God. How searching is this test for the, to those who profess, who profess to be Christians and how solemn the duty of all people to renounce all worthy objects and to be not only almost but altogether followers of the Son of God. It is perilous to tamper with the world, to look at its pleasures and to seek its society. He that would enter heaven must come with a heart full of love to God, giving all into his hands and prepared always to give up all his property, his health, his friends, his body, his soul to God when he demands them or he cannot be a Christian. I love this at the end. Religion is everything or nothing. He that is not willing to sacrifice everything for the cause of God 
is really willing to sacrifice nothing. Jesus didn't say this to this man because he was like, I got to be extra tough on this guy to make people realize how serious I am about Christianity. No, he said all these things to these guys because this is where he was going. All of this stuff he said to these guys, it was based on this is where I'm going. Hey, I don't even know where I'm staying tonight, and you want to follow me? You, got you can't be addicted to comfort. You can't be addicted to the luxuries of this life. Hey, you want to follow me? I want you to come with me, but you can't hold on too tightly to people's opinion of you and people's expectations of you and the culture of men. This world, this world is telling us a lot of different things. You know, it tells us different things regarding how we should treat our family, and it tells us different things regarding how we should treat our relationships. You know, 50, the reason why you can't trust this world is it doesn't even know what, he want, what it wants. 70 years ago, you couldn't sleep with any, you couldn't sleep, you couldn't sleep with anyone outside of marriage. That wasn't a Christian law. That was like everybody, everybody knew that. That's what you can't do. You, you don't sleep around. Now, it's like weird if you, if you, if you don't sleep in a relationship, sleep together. It is. You get people asking you asking you questions like, man, what's wrong with you? You know, like, you, I can't say what they say. But <laughs> they, they, you know, they make comments, and they're just like, are you weird or something? Because that, that's the culture. That's the standard. But you can't trust the standards of this world. you got to live by a greater standard. That's what Jesus is saying. As I come to uh, close, I just want to look at two things. Zoe... Zoe, my wonderful daughter, who sadly made it so that Katie could not be here to listen to the sermon because, as you could hear, she wanted to talk with me as I was speaking, and so she's gone now somewhere. But Zoe, Zoe is so precious, and anyone who has watched Zoe or babysat her, um, that's the same thing, uh, <laughs> anyone who has been around Zoe, you notice that when Zoe has a toy, and you try to take that toy from Zoe, she is not going to let it go. That's, I mean, you, I, I learned what the term death grip was when I tried to take a toy from her. She does not let it go. But you can take a toy from her if you put a better toy in front of her. And she will always go for the better toy. Always. And she won't, she won't try to hold on. Sometimes she'll try to hold both at the same time, and then she'll look, and she'll just be like, and then she'll keep holding one. It's so cute. Another thing that's cute, though, is when Katie comes in the room, especially at night. When Katie comes in the room, when it's been a long day, didn't matter who Zoe's with, didn't even matter if it's me. Zoe, if it's her favorite toy, whoever's holding her, if Katie comes in the room, she sees Katie, and she drops the toy, and she crawls over to Katie. And she's not even thinking about the toy anymore. So many times we hear Jesus say these things to people like this, and we think, what does this mean for myself? What kind of, th what? I have to let go of things. Jesus, <laughs> my family, this, that. But Zoe, Zoe doesn't have any problem letting go when she sees something greater in her midst. And we have someone greater in our midst. And he is worth letting go of everything for. I said the last thing I was going to say in the, and I was going to say the band, but it's just you, you too, so. 
Bill and Marissa can come up. Anybody ever heard of Elisha? Not Elijah. Yeah. Elisha. That's what I'm talking about, Christopher. Elisha is a beast. I mean, if, if it was FIFA, the dude would have a 99 on beast mode. The man is legit. Only 60 of y'all got that. But he is so, he is amazing. He is my favorite prophet. I'm not going to say he's the best prophet, but he's my favorite prophet. Elijah, when he was coming to the end of his life, he anoints Elisha and says, hey, you're going to replace me. And so we're going to read that encounter. It says in 1 Kings 19, so Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him, which basically means, hey, you have my job now. How you doing? <laughs> Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let him kiss. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I'll come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha, look at how he responds. So Elisha left him and went back, and he took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them, and he burned the plowing equipment, and he took the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his, his servant. He went on after this to have an amazing ministry. And I'm, I don't mean like, like somewhat amazing. It was extremely amazing. He healed more people then, I'm sorry, he did more signs and wonders, not just healings. He did more signs and wonders than anyone else in the Bible other than Jesus. He saved, through him, God saved more lives than anyone else in the entire Old Testament. If you just read through his life, it's like, it is like an action movie. It is amazing, all the things that he did. And what did he do when Elijah came to, came to him and invited him on this adventure he went back he burned his plowing equipment so that he could never pick it up again he could never turn back and say ah i'll lean on this if things don't work out with you he burns his equipment and he follows elijah and he ends up going on a journey greater than he could have ever imagined we have the opportunity to burn our plowing equipment. We have the opportunity to not, to make it so that we don't turn back. You say yes to Jesus, whatever he's calling, calling you to, whatever he's inviting you to, you say yes to him and you'll go on an adventure greater than you could ever imagine. And you won't just look back and say, oh man, it was worth it. But other people will look back just as my family has done and said, man, Jordan, we're really glad you didn't listen to us. We're really glad that you made Jesus your priority. If you aren't willing to sacrifice everything for the cause of God, you aren't really willing to sacrifice anything for him. We don't know what happened to these three guys. We don't know where they went. We don't know if they said yes or no. I know the second one said yes because it didn't say that any disciples left except for Judas, and that was at the end. And he kind of, kind of left a different way. 
Jesus is inviting us all on an adventure. If you say yes to him, you'll be like Zoe and you'll find out someone greater is in your midst. And it's worth it. Let's pray. Father God, we know we have mission trips coming up. Uh, you know we're going to find out about them tonight, and this is also exciting. But Lord, more important than the adventure that we could go on for spring break or some weeks in the summer is the adventure to say yes to you in regards to what a, whatever you're asking for in our lives. Help us to say yes, Lord God. Help us to see how worth it you are. Help us not to hold on to anything, comfort, people's standards and expectations for us, or just our desire to get our fill of something that we know we probably shouldn't be trying to get our fill of. Help us to say yes to you, Lord. You're so worth it. You are so, so worth it. I really hope, Lord, it is my prayer that everyone goes on an adventure with you because everyone has no idea how exciting, how amazing, how worth it that will be and how you won't even really remember the sacrifices that you made. Lord God, we love you. We love you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.